0: of our weekends booked. I'm Brielle. And I'm Kate. And this week we're going to discuss The Little Woods by A.G. Mock. So this is actually a brand new author for us. So Kate, why don't you give us a little background on Mr. Mock?
1: Already? Well, I couldn't really find too much information, but the stuff I did find I thought was pretty interesting. So he writes Supernatural Suspense, which you'll know once we talk about this book. He's a two-time American fiction author. Uh, award winner and also um, number one international bestseller on the horror charts. He lives in South Carolina and actually he's originally from Western Pennsylvania, which I thought was cool because we're from up North um, and he lives in South Carolina now with his wife and his dogs. And what I thought was interesting, especially for someone that's writes horror that they also have a ghost in their house who he says is harmless and makes itself known by a distinct smell of tobacco and leather. Um, The book, the little woods was actually his debut novel and it is part of a trilogy. Yes. And
0: for spooky season week three, this was probably the spookiest book we've read so far.
1: I will have to say, I have to agree with that because there was times when I was reading this book where I had like literal chills and I had to put it down for a second
0: yeah, me too. it it definitely was not something that we've read recently or possibly ever. <laughs> we have read stuff that was like spooky or um suspenseful, a little chilling, but this one was just different. Um, like we can get into that in just a little bit, but I, I did enjoy it, but it it was it was a little scary.
1: Yeah, I, I loved his writing style. It reminded me a lot of how Stephen King writes, which I really like. Um, and the story, at first, I told you, kind of, what's that movie called? Stand By Me? Yes, it was giving you, like, Stand By Me vibes, which yeah. you
0: kept you kept saying. Um, and I agree with that. I kind of thought that it was more along the lines of, like, The Lord of the Flies,
1: I could see that too and you know it's funny there is one part in the book where one of the characters does say, "Did we really kill him? I mean this isn't Lord of the Flies." <laughs>
0: yes, yes, but like that's like one of the first things I thought was, "Okay, this is Lord of the Flies, but they're not they're not supposed to be, you know, killing each other and vying for like you know the top contender on the island. Um they're just supposed to be like kids in rural Pennsylvania who are on summer break." You know, and that's that's not a, what was going on in the story at all.
1: I will say this. I think that what was so scary for me in this book, and maybe I'm just being a baby. I don't know. But it was like the whole demon and like possession thing. And when they talk about the name of the demon, that kind of stuff like freaks me out because I feel like that stuff can really happen
0: No, I 100% agree with you. That was like one of my points on my little note outline thing, because I don't know like what it is about demonic possession. We've kind of talked about it before. I don't know if it's because we have that like Catholicism in our background where we like know these things are real. We've, you know, it's been instilled in us that they are, that this can happen, but When you said about the name, like when they gave the demon a name, that freaked me out. I put the book down. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to just chill for a minute. Definitely not reading this at night because I'm scared, like legit scared.
1: Yeah, I made the mistake one night reading this book at night since you said that. And I stayed up late. It was like over the weekend because somehow on the weekends, I get this crackhead energy at like one in the morning. (laughs) When I'm reading a book and I can stay up to like the sun comes up and then go to bed. So I was reading it at night and that was like when I got chills because I was like, okay, this is, this is like on a legitimate level freaking me out right now.
0: Yeah. And it didn't really start off like that because, so here you have a dual timeline. Some of it takes place in the summer of 1977 and some of it takes place 18 years later in 1995 And when the book opens, you know, we're kind of introduced to like, in my head, I'm thinking like the Sandlot kids, you know, right? Summer break is here and they're like trying to gather together for like a a pickup baseball game. And they're um, all headed into what they call the Little Woods, which is like a wooded area near their town. And they're going to play, what is it called? Like the war? Is that what they call it?
1: Yeah, and red flag number one.
0: <laughs> yes, red flag number one. So you get the the idea that they're all neighborhood friends. They all have known each other for years. This is something that they do every summer vacation, but just turns out that in nineteen seventy-seven it just There was something know, in the woods. Went left. Yeah. <laughs> I mean something something was waiting for them.
1: At first I'm not gonna lie. At first, I didn't put two and two together about what was really going on. And then when one of the characters, his name's Ian, he's one of the main characters. When he has that dream about his parents dying, I was like, something happened to these kids. Something ain't right.
0: Yes, because he, he has the dream in 1995. So it is flipping back and forth. So that, like once your brain kind of like focused on What time periods you were in that was easier to follow, but you literally go from like kids playing this game, the game goes left to Ian in is he in New York? I think yes, and he has an incident in what is modern time, and when that happens, you're kind of like, okay, is this real or is this not real?
1: I thought the same thing when I read that part.
0: Yeah, because that doesn't happen. No, I mean, okay, no, you say that, but.
1: No, that's <laughs> I, I take it back, I take it back.
0: <laughs> it probably does. I mean, to set it up a little bit, he's in a bar, like, on his lunch break with one of his coworkers. They had some, like, kind of bad news at work. Um, they're watching a baseball game on TV. And, like, like, a whole mess of just craziness unfolds in front of them. And you're like, did that happen? Because after what I just read that happened in 1977, I'm not sure if I could take this at face value.
1: It does take you a second to adjust to the different like time frames when they're talking about stuff. Because it. a lot of times in 1977, it's like different characters' perspectives. Because there's like seven boys that are all friends. So like, I know there was like a couple chapters where it was like, um their friend Craig and then it was like their friend Stu and then it was their friend Jimmy like so like it kind of gets a little bit confusing but the way that this whole story came together was I really actually enjoyed it like as scared as I was it was a great book
0: yes and you I think you had said earlier that he AJ AG, AG mock took some influence from Stephen King and Those types of situations, you could really tell that he was somebody who was inspired by King, right? Because if you've ever read one of his books, he writes like that too. It's kind of like, is this really happening or is this being imagined by the characters? Is this a flashback? Is this a premonition? It kind of like has your brain like just going like a clock at all times,
1: for this to be his debut novel, I mean, obviously he's written other works besides this book because he's won awards. And uh, something I didn't mention when I was talking about his um, information at the beginning was that he has won awards not just in the U.S., but also in the U.K. So, I mean, he's had quite the career. But for this to be like his first debut novel, it was excellent. I mean, the character development in this book was really good. Like each character, I felt like you got to know each character, even like each little boy that was killed by this demon, right? You got to know each one of their stories, like their families, like you could tell their one friend, Big Dan, that like his dad didn't give a crap about him, like at all. Like he was missing for like 72 hours before he even called the cops.
0: Yeah. And I think that was probably just how it was, you know, back in 1977, I don't. I mean, obviously, we you know they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have social media and things like it that. Three so. Days. But it's 1977. His parents are more than likely, probably hippies.
1: <laughs> I think his dad was like. Wasn't his dad the one that was a that drank a lot?
0: A, a drunk, yeah.
1: So I mean, your kid is
0: gone. Like, and and Dan was one of the older ones, so he's like what either like graduation age or about to graduate. You know what I mean? So he's older. So his dad's probably not even thinking like, oh, he's gone for three days. He's just like slumming it in the woods or hanging out with his buddies. Like, I don't think that they thought about those things back then. So. He was like 12. No, he was not. Oh, yeah, he was. He was young. No, because he was like Brian. He was older like Brian. He was one of Brian's friends. Yeah, but Brian wasn't about to graduate. Yes, he was. He graduated like the, the next summer.
1: You mean to tell me these dudes were about to graduate and they were in the woods playing war? Yeah. I
0: mean, what else were they doing? You have to think like after graduation, most of them went to work in a factory. This is like, you know, steel, steel town, Pennsylvania. After graduation, that's it. Your life's over. Like you probably are gonna be married in six months and pushing out kids after that. Like they're like living their best life.
1: I guess, but that's weird. (laughs) No, it's not for the time. You know what? Let me stop, though, because, you know, the show New Girl. Yes. You know how they play that game, the drinking game, Great America or something like that? Yeah, I I would play that. So, I mean, you know what? Let me stop lying. I will go play in the woods right now, and I'm 37, so let me stop. Yeah, see? <laughs> but I'm just saying like it just it just caught me off guard cuz honestly like when I was reading back in 1977 I wasn't thinking that they were that old. I was thinking they were like, you know, between the ages of like 12 and 15. So like different perspectives, I guess. While we read, which is fine.
0: I'm pretty sure like Brian, who was Ian's older brother, was like one of the older ones with like the two other there was like two brothers, Jimmy and back. Yeah. They were like older and then Stu was like older and Big Dan was older. And then you had like Ian and Craig and Matt who were like the younger of the crew because remember they were like the little tag-alongs who they didn't really want around. But hey, these are the only kids you have to play with, so everybody's everybody's gonna play together. Well, and I think Matt
1: was the youngest, right?
0: Yes, poor Matt. Poor Matt.
1: That was so – that creeped me out. What What was so crazy to me was they're in this – in when they're playing the war games, and whatever dark – we don't know at this point. It's just something takes over them, and they can, like, jump to the top of the trees and all this crazy stuff. And their one friend, Stu, goes, like, crazy when he burns Matt alive. The thing that was the craziest to me was the next day they all woke up and had no recollection of what happened – Ian even calls Matt's house to see if he's home to come and play. Yeah. And the the dad just like hangs up. He's like, are you being serious? Like at that point he didn't know that he was actually dead, but like they didn't remember anything that happened. It was so crazy.
0: Yeah. And that, that really got me because I kept thinking about that too. I was like, surely there's going to be like, you know, firefighters and police on the scene. And right away, like, all of these kids are going to remember, like, what happened the night before. And, like, sure enough, they they didn't. I mean, they're just, like, going on about their day. And then, you know, they're told later, like, oh, Matt killed himself. No, no, Matt did not kill himself. Matt was killed by his
1: friends. And the way that he, like, is tormenting them, like, the demon that actually, it like, appears as Matt throughout, like, the whole book – And they talk about the suit that he was buried in, like, that he has it with, like, the little anchor buttons. I swear I had nightmares about that.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. So, in 1995, when Ian is in that bar and, like, all that stuff goes down, is that the demon? Because I just wasn't sure. I just kind of wanted, like, another person's opinion. So, like, was that the same demon that was possessing Matt? So, this this
1: is my theory. You ready for this? yes spoiler alert scroll past if you don't want to <laughs> hear at the end of this book the cliffhanger right ian is still possessed by this demon at the end of this book you know that right
0: yes yes i do
1: okay so my thought process is when all that stuff is happening in the bar that ian is the one that makes it happen and he doesn't even realize it
0: okay okay I wasn't sure if we were going that direction or if we were going more as like, this is the demon, like presenting itself to Ian and being like, hey, remember me? I'm still here 18 years later.
1: I'm still going to wreck your world. I think that that point that you just made came to Ian when he had the dream about his parents' death because it was like calling him
0: home yeah and that's that's just creepy in itself and another really creepy thing was ian and brian could like silently communicate you know i wish i could do that yeah but like they you really want somebody in your head like at all times
1: yeah like it when me and you are together at like family functions and everyone's pissing us off instead of having to text <laughs> each other <laughs> We can just have a conversation in our minds. Nobody has to know. And no one's feelings get hurt.
0: Okay, okay. So there is a plus sign to it.
1: But like they could turn it off. Because remember there was times where Brian was blocking out Ian completely.
0: Yeah, and then they really forgot about all. I mean, I don't think you could ever forget about events like that. But they blocked it out to the point where they like didn't speak about it. Ian just like up and leaves, moves away. Brian, you know, buys that his original childhood home from his parents, has a wife, has kids, like, living his best life. And then all of this stuff, I guess, Ian was the, like, the spark of it all.
1: Well, this is the thing that I didn't get. So Brian stayed there, bought that childhood home. You mean to tell me nothing crazy happened in 18 years? That he lived there? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you stayed in the hometown, you stayed in the same house, and not a single thing has bothered you this whole time? That's why I think Ian was pos- really possessed the whole entire time.
0: He was just, like, the catalyst of everything. Yeah, I mean, because
1: when he they, came back was when shit started happening
0: in. Well, they did allude to the fact that, like, one of the boys that was involved originally, like, his mother disappeared. And then another one, they never found the body of one of the boys. Yeah. So, like, I think there was, like, little breadcrumbs. I And I think that they were probably laid out because they're going to be in the, the next two books to kind of like tie everything together. But I don't think that Brian was like living this like super peaceful life. I think that he was just like shielded that, you know, when somebody mentioned, Hey, Matt Chauncey's mom is, you know, she just disappeared or whatever happened to her, or whatever character it was. Um, I think he just chose to ignore it because like ignorance is bliss.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. And you're right. Because when, when, Ian came back and all that weird stuff started to happen. Brian was like in complete denial, like was like that didn't really happen, like all like he says those words to him. So yeah. I, I see that point too. I just I don't know. And when things started to go crazy, they went crazy. Like even with Brian's <laughs> wife Rebecca when she took that dirty shower, that would creep me the <laughs> hell out. Then you get then you answer the phone and the person on the line is like, "How was that shower, Rebecca?" <laughs> like <laughs> what the yeah. No.
0: But, I okay, I so you, you you say that, but, like, that's the stuff that is even more creepy than, like, you know, a demon staring you in the face. Like, getting a phone call from whoever it may be and then telling you exactly what you just did in the shower? Uh, no, thank you. And I also think that Brian might have been, you know, pretending, like, this wasn't his life. Because I think his children were both a little, well, one of the children anyway, definitely has the gift or the curse or whatever you want to call it that Ian and Brian have.
1: Well, I wonder if his son, so his daughter has it, but I wonder if his son's going to have it as well. And maybe in book two, because now. You know, no, no, no. Before
0: you go any further, the son was adopted. Oh, that's right. Yes, plot twist there.
1: Oh, I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, because remember when she, um, when Rebecca, poor Rebecca too, like here she is just trying to be a good wife, a good mother. She gets herself locked in the garage, gets like carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh
1: my gosh. And then everyone (laughs) thinks she's like trying to kill herself up in there.
0: Yeah, and the doctor at the hospital has her... Um, air vact like to a bigger hospital and he keeps saying they 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 and like nobody picks up on it until one of the characters her name is della she's like she was pregnant or she is pregnant and they're like no that's impossible because she had x amount of miscarriages probably because they were demons and you know she can't have any more kids so they adopted andrew but something impregnated her
1: it's like american horror story
0: yes
1: (laughs) this is the thing i'm so intrigued by this book but at the same time i'm petrified to read the next two i'm scared i'm not even gonna tell you a lie here
0: i am scared i i don't i don't want to read the rest of them they were they were really really good it was good it was a good book I remember when we first saw it on Instagram, like we just saw it like an advertisement and of course you bought it right away because that's, that's your MO. Hold
1: don't be, time out, <laughs> time out, don't be lying, you said I saw this book called The Little Woods, I want us to read it, so then I bought it and then a year later, you still didn't buy it. <laughs> I,
0: I know, that's why I said, that's your MO, like if you, if you like barely whisper that you like a book, Kate has already bought it. <laughs> and most of the time she has bought you one too so that
1: she knows you'll read it (laughs) so I know you'll read it
0: (laughs) but we saw it and we thought it looked interesting and it it was so it was good I I liked it but I don't want to read the rest because I'm too scared because I don't like the demon stuff
1: I don't want to do it
0: I don't want to do it
1: and that last line in book one mm, 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 after all that stuff happened and Ian's, like, holding Diana, and he's like, don't worry, you're with Uncle Ian now. And I'm like, no, go. Yeah, no. Go. Uh-uh. And, like, that stuff like
0: that, that's another, I think that that's just Mock being, like, Stephen King's the best, because Stephen King does stuff like that all the time, right? I mean, think about, like, if you've read or watched, like, It or, like, Pet Cemetery, anything that has any type of, like, demonic... A possession in it he'll throw like little tidbits in like that things that scare the daylights out of you
1: a hundred percent i mean and i know that we've compared you know his writing style to king a few times which we're not saying he like ripped him off or anything it's like a huge compliment like his yes ag mox writing is like on that level for me of like some of the best horror stuff i've ever read
0: yes absolutely and he did he won that in 2022 he won the supernatural thriller of the year for this book
1: yeah well i believe it because i couldn't sleep like the one night (laughs) i was up all night i told you but yeah I i did
0: enjoy it um just my personal taste not because i i didn't like it or i didn't like anything about it i'm just too chicken shit to read any more of these books so i'm just going to keep it at this one and keep rolling i will check out ebcottthrillers.com and agmock.com just to see if he has anything else coming out or along those lines maybe that i can you know sleep with the lights off at night
1: all right guys well that wraps up episode 50 as always if you liked what you heard leave us a rating on whatever podcast outlet you listen to and don't forget to check us out on instagram at our underscore weekends underscore booked podcast again i'm kate and i'm brielle until next time